Well, you know what? I've had challenges in my life. I've had things that, uh, you know, let's just call them non-pleasant moments. But you know, one of the things that I never did, even in the midst of those challenges, was I never blamed my parents. Just because they were my parents and just because I had a challenge didn't make it their fault. Some of it was my own doing. But how quickly are we to do that with God sometimes, though? When things aren't right, when things aren't going well, we're quick to say, oh, well, the Lord's doing this in my life. And yet the scripture says over and over and over again that God's a good God. He's a, he's a loving, compassionate, merciful father. You know, and, and there's things about that that if we're not careful, that will change our view and our perception of who God is and how he wants to work in our lives. And, you know, tonight I want to share uh, uh, a couple things, really. I mean, it's one main thing, but uh, I'm going to look at it from several different angles, if you will. But uh, really about learning to receive from the Lord. And, uh, you know, because that's important. How many of you know that? I mean, I get, you know, people say, well, God's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, but... Not everybody that was around Jesus got healed. Even though there were lots of people who were sick, lots of people who needed healing, lots of people who needed what he could do for them, not everybody got a miracle. And so there was a difference between those that Jesus worked for and those who he didn't. You know, and so I want to look at a few things tonight because I believe that uh, for us, especially as individuals, you know, there's times, uh, you know, that you can learn how to receive in a service like this. In the corporate anointing. But there's all, you've got to learn also how to receive from God on your own. Why? Because you can't always run and go to a church service. We don't have church 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And so there are times that you're going to have to learn how to press through. Um, even in the midst of trial or whatever it may be. You know, and, and to get an answer. And to get a breakthrough in those areas. And so I want to uh, start in uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, uh, this is the account of blind Bartimaeus. Everybody heard of old blind Barty? And uh, there's a story here. And, uh, you know, but there are some things. And, and, and you know, I'm going to use a couple of, of stories or a couple of people here. And I'm going to pull out different things from what we see in Scripture. Because ultimately they received what they were believing God for. Ultimately they received what God had promised to them, and the Bible says that uh, you know that we're to grab hold of all the great and precious promises that God has for us. It says, "Don't lose your grip, don't lose your sight of them." Why? Because Christ died to give us all of these great and precious promises. And here we see in Mark chapter ten, we're going to start in verse forty-six, and it says here that, uh, and it says they, speaking of Jesus and the disciples, had reached Jericho. It says in or it says, well, whatever. It says, Jesus and his disciples began to leave the town. A large crowd followed him, and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. It says, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, let's just establish a couple things about Bartimaeus here. He is known by his affliction. Why? He's a blind man, Right? We, I mean, we still refer to, there's people throughout Scripture that, you know, that's, they're labeled, if you will. But if we're not careful, we will allow labels that other people have put on us to keep us from what God has for us. Now, I don't know how many of you have experienced that. I've experienced that even unknowingly, not realizing, you know, uh, you know allowing things to even motivate my desires, or maybe twist them where God couldn't bless me because of my mindset. 
So, why? Because there was a label put on that I accepted. And, and yet, we, if we're not careful, we can fall into that. And even here, Bartimaeus is known by his affliction. And so, he hears that Jesus is coming by and he begins to holler. Well, why would he begin to holler out? Because he had heard that Jesus was a healer and he was in need of healing. And so he, he knows and he hears the sound of, of commotion. And he begins to holler and to scream out. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48 says that, be quiet. Many of them yelled at him. You ever been believing God for something and people around you were saying, hey, just give up, just be quiet. Don't bother with that. God won't do that for you. Why don't you just quit believing for that? I mean, I know people who have believed God for years for things. And they, were, and they could tell you the story of time where people were just, you might as well give up, give up, give up. I mean, one of my in-laws, her mother and father were, were separated. I mean, divorced. Like, the guy had been remarried. And for 15 years, her mom believed God that he would restore their relationship. 15 years. And everybody said, you're crazy. You need to move on. He's moved on with his life. He wasn't a believer, wasn't living for the Lord, wasn't trying to. And everybody basically had written her off and just said, she's crazy, but she never quit. God completely restored them back to proper relationship. You know, like the prodigal son, the Bible says that he came to himself. He had a came to himself moment and thought, what in the world am I doing? Today he's serving God, but for 15 years, this lady believed God. I mean, I don't know about you, 15 years is a long time. That's a long time to stand and believe God for something. And yet, if, we're, if we allow it, people can discourage us even in our trust, even in our belief of those things that we believe that the Lord has, whether through His Word or whether to, directly to our heart, that they will discourage us to get us off course from what the thing is that we're believing God for. And here, it says that they begin to tell Him, hey, shut up, be quiet. I like this, though. The second part of verse 48 says, but he only shouted louder. The louder that his critics got, the louder his voice became. And I think there's a lesson in that for us to learn. Sometimes when we have critics, it's not the time to get quieter. Sometimes because there's opposition, even from the enemy, whether it's a natural person or whether it's just the work of the devil in our life that he's trying to overthrow. Sometimes the harder he fights is just a clue. We need to fight a little harder because he might see something that I don't. And that there's a breakthrough that he doesn't want me to get to. And it says here that Bartimaeus began to shout even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it says when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So, the, so they called the blind man and said, cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. I don't remember which translation, but one translation says it this way. It says, you lucky dog. He wants you. But why did Jesus call him? Jesus called him because he wouldn't be quiet. He kept believing for what the very thing that he was desiring for God to do in his life. He knew that Jesus was a healer. He was in need of healing. And he knew if I can just get in front of him, I believe that he will heal me. I believe that he will restore my vision, my eyesight. In verse 50, it says, 
that Bartimaeus threw his coat aside and jumped up and came to Jesus. Now, I think this is an interesting statement from Jesus, and yet we see this repeated multiple times throughout the ministry of Jesus. Bartimaeus is a blind man. Have you ever seen a blind person? It's pretty obvious they're blind. I've seen blind people, and yeah, they, their eyes look completely different than mine or yours do. So it's obvious. Even in the face of the obvious situation, Jesus asks a question and says, Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? Now, Jesus is a healer. Bartimaeus needs healing. Pretty simple. But what if Bartimaeus wouldn't have asked for the thing that he wanted? What if he would have, in a sense, chickened out instead of asking for his sight like he wanted? What if he shrunk back in the moment thinking, oh, I don't know if God will do this. And yet there are times in all of our lives where we face challenge. And yet God would do the very thing that we've been believing for, but we shrink back in the face of fear. Because, well, what if God doesn't work? What if God doesn't come through? What if this doesn't pan out the way that I thought? And so we pull back as opposed to stepping up and boldly saying, God, this is what your word says. This is what your promises are to me. And so I'm going to trust and believe that you're just going to do exactly what you said. What happens is when we do that is we shortchange ourselves of self of all of God's best, of what he truly wanted to do. And yet Jesus asked the question, Bartimaeus, what do you want? Bartimaeus responds and says, my rabbi, I want to see. And, and Jesus makes the statement because we say that Jesus healed Bartimaeus. I mean, that's, that would be most of our response. And yet Jesus' response to him, it says, go for your faith has healed you. Your belief, your trust, not just in who I am, but in what God is doing through me. Bartimaeus, you get healed today because you had faith to believe that I could and that I would and that I wanted to heal you. And so many times I think that, it, and it just happens be, by the course of life, if you want to call it that. Is that we want to put the responsibility of the things that we're believing God for off on somebody else. Well, I went to church and they prayed for me, but apparently they were bad healers because I didn't, you know, they say that they believe in healing, but no healing happened. So I need to go find a better healer. Well, Jesus didn't say, well, I'll heal you. He said, Bartimaeus, your faith has brought about healing in your life. See, we have to take on the responsibility in whatever area it may be in our life. But just like Bartimaeus, he had to make a decision in this moment. Because with him being blind, he was handicapped. So his course in life was pretty much reserved to being a beggar. He was going to sit on a corner and he was going to beg for people to be generous and kind towards him. So for the, for the fact of him saying that he wanted to receive his sight meant he had to get a job. Even how he was identified in Public, if you will. His whole identity had been focused around what? His blindness. See, and, and sometimes I believe for us to receive all that God wants for us, we have to be willing to get our mind changed, our thoughts changed, even the vision of ourself, that, that picture of who we are changed. Why? So that our faith can line up with God's word so that God can fulfill his word in our life. Now, let me give you a natural example of this. You know, 
there are rich people and there are poor people, right? That's what we call them. There are people who have money and those who don't. But you know that poverty is a mentality, not a number in a bank account. There are rich people who think poor. And there are poor people that think poor. But here's what I know. And I've seen this happen. I could give you multiple examples of this. How you see yourself, even concerning finances and believing God to bless you. If you see yourself as broke, guess what? You will be broke. Now, your faith will cause you to say other things. And other people may say, you're crazy. Like, I thank you, God, that you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And people are saying, yeah, but you're broke. Yeah, but my faith is paving the way for a different future. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Yeah, but you have a diagnosis. I'm not denying those facts. I'm not writing them off. But what I am saying is that my faith can change my circumstances. But my circumstances won't change until my faith is active in that area. Well, how do I do that? How, how does that really come about? How do I really receive what God has for me? Many times mentality keeps people back from what God has for them. They're thinking, even how they perceive things. Well, how do you change the way you perceive things? Number one, you get into the word. Number two, you got to change the way you talk. You got to, you know, I mean, like, you know, I've shared this many times. I have a budget, you know, a, a monthly little form that I have. I got these bills on the 1st and these bills on the 15th and I check them off. Why? Because I'll be like, I don't remember if I paid that. This way I know I paid that. At the top of my budget, I think there's three scriptures and two quotes that I look at every time that I go to pay a bill. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That's one of the things. One of the quotes that I have, and I say this, is that I have a supply. I have a divine supply that comes to me from heaven. Well, there's times that that has not been my experience. Sometimes there's a gap between where my faith is at and my present experience in life. And that's called frustration. Anybody else ever experienced frustration? That gap between what, I, what I'm holding and believing for and actually experiencing what I want. But yet, one of the limitations that can come, which is the reason that I'm, I'm using Bartimaeus here, is he had to be willing to lose his label to be healed. And this is one of the things that I have seen that's happened and does happen in all of our lives at times. God will work, we'll get our breakthrough, we'll get our healing... But we don't change the way that we think. And therefore, we start talking in accordance to old experience. So like in this, say you get prayed for, you get, you get healing in your body. But you, don't, you, you still want to identify by those, el- those ailments, if you will. Instead of standing and believing God that, no, God, you healed me. I may have a symptom in this moment. But I was healed. You may get a financial breakthrough and the next month rolls around. All of a sudden you're like, I got more month than I do money. Praise the Lord. 
Well, what do you do in that moment? Well, I guess God didn't come through. You, you just lost it right there in that moment. No, you've got to gather yourself up and say, no, my God is faithful. God, you have helped me before and you will help me again. And just because you may be in a moment or a time where it looks like I don't have what I need. Here's my encouragement. Begin to believe God. It doesn't mean that you're going to hit the lottery and all of a sudden all of your things are going to change overnight. But what will happen, because here's what everybody wants. We all want God to bail us out. God, just fix it all. And God says, I love you too much to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk with you so you can learn some wisdom on the way out of the wilderness. Therefore, we don't come back this way again. Now, we don't like that part. But if we want to receive from God, it's going to require that we gain some wisdom. It just is. It's part of how we see God work through uh, for us, if you will. And so we have to be willing to put in some effort sometimes. We have to be willing to actually, you know, because it's not just as simply as praying and saying, God, do this for me and God does it. It's not always that way. It can be. It absolutely can be. And I've had those experiences. You know, I mean, I've shared this many times. Many of you have heard me talk about this. When I was in college, I had really bad knee problems. Really bad. You know, severe. Like to the point where they're telling me I'm going to have reconstructive surgery on both knees. I was 19. Been an athlete my whole life and, you know, all those things and... Just one day, all of a sudden, I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. Just unbelievable pain. Long story short, God healed me. I mean, supernaturally, instantaneous. I was in a prayer line at a church service, and for whatever reason, the guy, kind of like Jesus, just says, what do you want? And I just said, I want new knees. I never had that thought before, never had the thought since, but I had a lot of bad reports up to that point. Well, he prays for me. I get up and man, totally, totally healed. Now that's been, whatever that is, 18 years ago. I don't have knee problems today, but I can tell you, there have been times that my knees would begin to hurt again. Not in the same way, not in the same manner, not nearly to the same degree. And yet I've had to deal with the thoughts of, did I actually get healed? And we're talking about years later. No, I had to go back and say, no, I know what the Lord did in me. And I had to stand it and believe the word of God to see those situations and circumstances change. And I've seen that happen in my own life. And the same is true for you. I've seen it happen in the area of finances. Where it's, you know, you're just at a loss and you're like, I just don't know what else to do. Well, God will and wants to bless you. It, 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 it's part of his plan yeah. is that we would walk in blessing. But yet many times we don't want to apply the wisdom that we need so that God can bless us. I mean, just the wisdom of scripture. We don't want to walk in obedience in the area of our giving. We don't, you know, just following what we know scripture to say. 
See, we've got to move beyond, and not, and I say move beyond, we start with prayer. But then we have to pick up our part. One of the ways that we do this is by adding to our faith. You know, the Bible talks about that, adding to your faith. Well, what do you mean? Well, it means, well, I have an understanding that God said, you know, I've already used this one as an example, but let's just say it's, it's healing. Well, I believe that God heals. Okay, well, what does the Bible say about that? Why do you have confidence that God would heal your body? What does the Bible say? Well, you've got to add to your faith. You go and start, you know, I mean, look, we live in the day of information. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Everything's on Google. I mean, you know, just go and start researching. Healing scriptures. Enter. 500 scriptures on healing, you know, whatever it is. It's just, they're endless. And you begin to meditate on those things. Why? Because Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if you're believing for God to work in an area, you, you ought to be looking to the word. Why? Because you need to be adding to your faith, your confidence. I mean, when we're talking about faith, what is faith? I mean, you know, there's lots of definitions. Faith ultimately simply is this, is that it's trusting that God is faithful to his word to us. God will do what he says. He's not a liar. That's what faith is. I trust that God's not a liar. That God will do what he says. Another way to to define faith would be this, would be to be fully persuaded or to be fully convinced. God, I don't care what my situations tell me. I believe what your word tells me. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And that's what I'm going to look to. And that's where my confidence comes from. So to be fully persuaded, not doubting, but truly trusting in God. Now, there it may be times where you have doubt. And that you wonder, is God hearing me? Is God going to work? But that's where you have to take control of your thoughts and go back to the word, that firm foundation. Why? Because that's where faith is found. Faith is found by and through the word of God. And ultimately, it comes back to trusting that God is good. That God doesn't send sickness. God doesn't send disease. God doesn't send lack. Oh, He's a good father. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from him. Well, what happens in those moments where we're like, God, where are you? I thought you were good. And the enemy would love to get us to that place where we vacillate. We rock back and forth. Well, God's good and God's faithful. And well, I don't know. Maybe I know he did it for so-and-so, but, I, you know, but I'm different. I mean, I think if we were all very honest, we've all had experiences where it seemed like God blessed somebody else. And you think, why not me? God healed somebody else. Well, what about me? We've all had those moments. Why did they get their answer and I haven't? You know, over in uh, Romans chapter 4, we see a, a story. This is a familiar story, but I'm going to recap some of it. And this is the story of Abraham and Sarah. They were believing God for the promise of a son. 
Now, Abraham was told at 75 that he would have an heir. 75. Got anybody 75 years old want to have a baby in here? <laughs> and yet God spoke to Abram. Actually, it was Abram at the time, but said that you would be the father of many nations. Well, to be the father, you've got to have some sons and some daughters. You've got to have some children. Well, he had had none. And not only that, God says, I'm going to give you the promise, but there was 25 years between the promise and the fulfillment. Along the way, Abraham tries to help God through the advice of his wife, but that's, you end up with an Ishmael. That's a big old problem is what that is. And yet, here in Romans chapter 4, Starting at verse 18. Now this is speaking about really the mindset, if you will, of Abraham concerning the promise that God had given him. He said, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Even when everything about his circumstance said, there's no baby in your future. It says that Abram, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would uh, become the father of many nations. For God had said to him. Uh, that's how uh, many descendants you will have. It says in Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at the age of a hundred years old. He figured his body as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. He's looking at the circumstances in the natural going. I was old when you gave me the promise. And now it's 25 years later. And I'm pretty sure. And it's impossible for me to father a child. And then he looks at Sarah and goes, and I'm really positive on that one. I'm real sure that we are both not candidates. I like, well, let's just read on verse 20. It says that Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and, and, it, and he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. I like one translation of this passage. And it says that having considered. Let me say it this way. Having considered his circumstances. Abraham made up his mind to not consider his circumstances. Have you ever evaluated something where you were believing God. And then you looked at it and you're like. I was pretty confident a minute ago. But after evaluating some things and looking, I just don't know if that's even feasible, possible. God, you're a big God, but I don't know. And yet it says that after Abraham took a moment to look at it, he just said, I'm not going to consider those things. I'm not going to give focus. I'm not going to give attention to those things. I'm going to focus on my promise. It says that he never wavered. He never backed off. He just kept believing. Here's the thing that we have to know even about our promises that God gives us. Regardless of what it is, it's God who does it. It's God who brings it about. So it's not on us. Our faith doesn't create the miracle if you want to say it like that. God is the miracle worker. We're the recipient. But we do have to learn how to receive. You know, I mean, if UPS is to bring a package to your house, you can refuse it. Right? Right? You don't, they don't have to give it to you. 
You can say, no, I don't want to receive that. And what will they do? They're going to take that package and they're going to go put it back on the truck and they're going to return to sender item or package was refused. So we do have to be a willing recipient. And and so it's important how we interact with God, but also with his word and also with our focus, with our thoughts. Why? Because many times that's the difference. And I'll show you this here in a few moments. If we're truly going to receive what God has for us, we've got to be in a position to receive. It's not just going to come by chance or just because God said it. If, if that were true, every person on the planet would be saved. Every person on the planet would have come to the knowledge of God. But we have to what? We even say it this way. You have to receive salvation. Well, it's true in every other thing with God. You received the Holy Spirit. He didn't jump on you and take control of you and you were out of like, what in the world's happening? You had to receive the Holy Spirit. You have to receive your healing. You have to receive your blessing. And so there are things, and many times there there are mentalities that God has to help us to shift. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says what? Be transformed. Like extreme home makeover, transformed. Totally a new way of thought. Be transformed, be transformed in the renewing of your mind. So that you can produce that good and perfect will of God. But your mindset's got to change. Your thought life has to change. Why? Because it's in your thoughts where you doubt. It's in, it's in your thoughts where you talk yourself out of what God has promised you. That when times get tough or or when you're just like, man, I just don't know if this is going to happen. Those thoughts begin to come. We've got to respond with faith if we're to receive. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 32. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 32. It says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. He says, remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. It says, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering these same things. He says, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when uh, all that you owned was taken, you accepted it with joy. Now, that doesn't sound like a good situation. You're persecuted, you're losing everything you got, and yet you still found joy. See, that's God working in the midst of a situation. How do you have joy when you just lost everything? Extreme persecution is happening. And they give us a clue right here, and they say that you knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. In verse 35, it says, so don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Don't throw away what? Your trust, your, your, your reliance upon Him. Remember, or it says, uh, remember the great reward that it brings you in verse 36. It says, patient endurance is what you need now. Two words that none of us really like. Patience or endurance. And they just thought it proper, just shove them together. I'm not the most patient person in the world. And endurance is not my best friend. I know that. 
I'm like, God, I know you can do it now, so let's just do it now. But sometimes there's things that God needs to work in me first. Or let me say it this way. Sometimes he needs to work some things out of me. I mean, God is a God of process. And sometimes that process is not wonderful going through, but the end result of it, it is. It is. And here it says, don't throw away your confident trust. Is that patient endurance is what you need now. So you may be believing God for something. You may be in the midst of it. According to scripture, what you need right now in this moment is some patient endurance. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? You're like, I could have went all week and not heard that. So patient endurance is what you need so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. It goes on and it says, For in just a little while the coming one will come and will not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. He says, but I will take no pleasure in those who turn away. Now he's quoting an Old Testament scripture there in verse 39. He says, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. He says, we're faithful or we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. See, even in the spite of real persecution, I know some of us may feel like we face persecution, but buckle up because it's coming. The church will face more persecution. I'm very confident in that fact. As believers, I think we're just starting to see the first little waves of it. Just slightly. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't move right in the midst of that. Doesn't mean that God won't work in the midst of that. I mean, go look at the children of Israel. God blessed them even on their exit from Egypt. Well, do you think that we would be blessed as the church before we exit the earth? Sure. That's a type and a shadow in the Old Testament of the New Testament rapture. And here it says is that if we would stick with it, don't quit. Keep pressing for those things that we're believing for. Don't throw away that confidence, that expectation of believing God. The the Amplified Bible there, verse 35, says it this way. Is don't fling away your fearless confidence in God. Don't throw it away. Hold on to it. Keep believing God. Why? Because the story is not over yet. It's still being written. And so if you'll just keep believing, God will work. It's not over. In James chapter 1, this is the last passage of Scripture that we're going to read tonight, but I want you to see this because I believe that this is so important to to receiving what God has for you. Now, this is going to sound similar to Hebrews chapter 10, but here in verse 2 of James chapter 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now that sounds a lot like Hebrews 10. We lose everything, but yet they still had joy. And he says, even when troubles come, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. There's that word again, too. He says, so let it grow. When you're being tested, 
your endurance has the opportunity to grow. He says, let it grow. For when endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Verse 5, it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. It says, do not waver. It says, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's a huge statement you ought to pay attention to. If you're believing God for something, anything, if you have any expectation of receiving it, it just gave us a huge clue right there. It says a double-minded man. Someone that has two thoughts, two opinions that are fighting, warring against each other. What he's saying is that, look, you have to settle in your heart once and for all. If God is faithful and true to his word or not. Because if you're still going back and forth between the two saying, well, I don't know if God will do this or not. And I'm not sure. And I, 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 I just don't know. Look, we all have times where we doubt, but what I'm telling you is you've got to get to a place past your doubt to the place that says, no, I'm settling this in my heart that, number one, God is good. Number two, that God is for me, that God is on my side. He is working for me and that I will see the goodness of God in my life. You've got to settle that. Why? Because if you can't get to that place, well, I don't know if God would heal me. I don't know if God would help me out in this financial moment it says such people should not expect to receive anything from the lord if we sit here and and kind of bounce between the two maybe god will maybe he won't you know he loves me he loves me not he loves me he loves me not sitting there picking the petals off a flower man i sure hope i get to the end and it's he loves me because if he still loves me then i know that he'll do the thing that i've been asking How many of you realize that God is not that fickle? He's true to his word. But it says that, so if you want to say it this way, think about back to blind Bartimaeus. Why did he get healed? Was it because he got Jesus' attention? No. Jesus said, Bartimaeus, your faith Has made you well. And here it says that when we're. Double minded. Divided. When we're split. I mean Jesus made a statement and says that. Now I mean he was talking about the kingdom of God. But the principle is still true. He says a house divided cannot stand. Well. We we can apply that exactly. And this verse is actually repeating the exact same principle. You've got to settle some things. Is God's word true for you or is it not? Is God's promises, are they true for you or not? So he says, a double-minded man that that they shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. In verse 8, it says, their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. See, we've got to get to a place, all of us, as the individuals if we expect to receive anything from the lord what has to happen we've got to settle some things in our heart 
that, God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what my circumstances tell me. I don't care what my feelings and my thought and my experience and my frustration. Because if we're not careful, just our own frustration will talk us right out of what God wants to do in our life. So we have to respond. We have to, what? We have to add to our faith by the word of God saying, no, God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to me. And, and he's trustworthy. And I trust in him. And because of that, he's going to work for me. And we've got to settle that. And it doesn't mean that you may not have to resettle it at times. There have been times I've had to go back and something that I'd already settled, had to go back and resettle it again. But that's how we receive from the Lord. We get that fixed confidence that says, God, I will not be denied. That even when everybody else is telling me, you might as well give up because God's not going to work for you. If God was going to work for you, he would have done it by now. You ever had somebody tell you that? Just move on. It's too far gone at this point. And yet if we just stick with God's words, keep believing and trusting him, and there may be things in the natural. You know, that goes back into that wisdom part. You know, I mean, I've shared this publicly, but there was a lot. But there were times where I really felt like the Lord told me very clearly that I was to get out of debt. I didn't know why. He did. You know, the Bible says that he's the God who sees ahead and makes provision, right? Well, there's multiple ways that you can apply that, but he knew that I was going to be without a job for a few months. And he says, David, you can't be without a job and have all the debt you got, so I'm going to help you out. Three years in advance, you need to start dealing with your bills. And so we got, but I had to go find some biblical wisdom on what to do. And then we had to do it, which was the non-fun part. It's a lot more fun to talk about it than to do it. But. And the thing is, is that I'm convinced, I'm 100% convinced that I would not be doing what I'm doing today if I had not listened to that. Why? Because God could have never opened the door for me to step out and take a big old huge step of faith. I mean, it was a huge step of faith for me to step out and to just leave. Not having a job, not having these things. I mean, it was, God would have never asked me to do that. Why? Because it wouldn't have been good. It would have ended up as being bad. Well, God's not going to leave me in anything that's harmful. And yet, I had to apply the wisdom even before I knew the why. Sometimes God will bring you wisdom and you won't even have the answer as to why. But you've got to start acting. You've got to start taking steps of faith going, God, I don't know why you're telling me to do this, do that, whatever it may be. This makes no sense to me. Faith doesn't require understanding. Faith requires action. The Bible says faith without works is dead, not faith without understanding. I mean, it would be great if we always had understanding, but God doesn't seem to care too much about my understanding. He cares more about my faith and my willingness to act on that. And the same is true for all of us. Here he says, look, a, a double-minded man, somebody who, who is, hasn't really settled it in his heart, he says, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. But when you can settle it in your heart, that I see it in God's word, I see his promises to me, for me. And I believe that he's faithful to produce those things in my life. And God will do just that for you. 
So what I want to do tonight, um, in just the next few minutes, you know, you may be here, and uh, as I was spending some time praying this afternoon, I just felt stirred in my heart that, you know, it's kind of, I'll just say it the way that I felt it, is that I believe that there's some of you who are and, and have been believing God, but it's that I was settled at one point, but I've become unsettled. And, and, you know, and the good news is, is that you can settle it in your heart. It doesn't have to be, well, this is just the way the new normal, if you will. But there may be some things in your life, and it may be because of more challenges come or whatever it may be. I don't know. But that thing that you had settled in your heart previously has now become questionable. And I want to pray with you tonight. We're not going to take long doing this, but I want to give you the opportunity. If you're here and you're like, man, I, I, what you're saying, that's exactly where I'm at. I, I want to pray with you. Now, there's nothing in of me by myself. But there is power in prayer. There's power in agreement. And so I'm assuming we haven't talked about this, but Adam, are you going to lead us in some worship here at the end? Instant in, season and out. And so we're going to worship together. But if that's you and you say, man, I'm really facing, and maybe you're here and it's even this, it's just that you're facing a situation that you've not settled. And you're like, I need to get it settled. The Holy Spirit can help you settle it. He'll, he'll be that confirmation in your heart. So maybe that's you. Maybe it's that side of it as well. Is that you're saying, I need to get this settled in my heart. I want to pray with you tonight. Just that the Holy Spirit would come and just confirm God's word in your heart.